Meet the Skywalkers by Frodogenic. Read by Sam Gabriel. Based on the works of George Lucas. Chapter 5 Piet slipped inside the hush of the shipboard chapel gratefully. Given the range of religious creeds that were likely to be represented by a crew of 300,000, the designers had had to be creative. The spaced projection nodes on the walls could be configured to the iconographies of over a million belief systems, and in combination with an elaborate set of localized gravity generators could also project opaque bulkheads to shape the interior space into whatever form a particular gathering preferred. Circular, pyramidal, spherical, dodecahedral. Even the tridimensional zero-gravity enlightenment maze stipulated by the fourth post-Bijan sanctum of souls. For Piet it had always been a refuge from the pressures of his command, whether Vader's homicidal rages of yore or the torments of survival in the Outer Rim. Today it represented a much-needed escape from the Skywalker clan. It had been about two standard years since the Falcon's arrival. That was forty-seven hours more than he needed to realize that while sharing a ship with Vader was trial enough for any man, sharing one with Vader and his daughter, even when the size of Executor, was purgatory. The lights were set to dim, and the room was in meditation phase, configured into comfortable seats lining the bulkheads and calm symphonic music misting from hidden speakers. The projectors cast stylized white flowers on the walls, intertwined with some flowing ancient script he couldn't begin to read. He had never seen this particular mode, but it could not have been better calculated to soothe his fraying nerves. Piet lowered himself into a seat out of sight of the hatch and closed his eyes, absorbing peace into his aching frame. There was a scent of incense in the air. Belatedly, he realized this had to mean someone else was here. He opened his eyes and spotted a partition towards the front. Further circumspect investigation revealed the resentment-inducing form of the princess, cross-legged on a plain square of parchment and lighting a series of tapers in a sand-filled tray on the floor in front of her. Half an hour's freedom from the crucible had been all he wanted, and the blasted woman had to interfere with even that. The next moment his petulance failed him. It had occurred to him why he had never seen the chapel configured this way before. There were, of course, no Alderanians in Lord Vader's crew. You needn't leave. Her soft alto stopped him as he turned to go. I don't wish to intrude on your privacy, your highness. Please don't consider it an intrusion. So the she-nix who has sheathed her claws for a change. One does never cease. He folded his hands behind his back and approached, reminding himself that this was a person whose bad side he could afford to be on even less than Vader's. I didn't expect to meet you here, your highness. I assumed you shared your family's religion. I do, said the princess. He watched her light another taper of incense, murmuring a musical prayer in an ancient language that, the thought struck him suddenly, was likely to die with her generation. I meant the Jedi beliefs of your brother. Being a Jedi isn't a religion, Admiral. The long shafted vest on her hand traced a wavering symbol in the air in front of the newlit taper. Well, he said awkwardly, I have only observations of Lord Vader, for my information. Vader was a one-man inquisition. The knighted souls who questioned the existence of the Force in his hearing got catechized instantly and never forgot it. She paused, lit the next taper, and said, He's a Sith Lord. If being a Jedi were a religion, he would count as a heretic. Her calm surprised him. She had spent the past two days erupting with volcanic violence and unpredictability, and Pieta concluded, darkly, that she was her father's daughter. 
but as the ghostly echoes of Alderaan now remind him, she had resounding reasons for being short-tempered at the moment. If he had woken up one morning to the news that his estranged father, a domineering sorcerer who had personally tortured him and authorized the destruction of his entire planet, had reappeared from the netherworld after twenty-five years, he might not react with much restraint either. Pardon my ignorance, Piet ventured after watching for a few more minutes, but is there much difference? She looked at him, incredulous, and he added defensively, From the outside, they— look very much alike, all mystic meditation in lightsabers and arcane wizardry and what have you. This is the difference. She blew out the match. I see, lied Piet. She wasn't fooled. Or, as Han likes to say, Sith are homicidal and Jedi are only suicidal. In spite of all his disdain for the princess's crude Corellian, Piet chuckled. An apt description. Your husband has a most singular manner of expressing himself. And quite away with people, too. The princess sat back, twirling the snuffed match between her fingers. She favored him with a smile that, for once, did not mean, if you say one more word, I'll rip your arms off. My aunts would have had coronaries if they'd met him. How many aunts? Three on Baba's side. They were determined to make a proper princess of me if it killed them. Her smile faded. I suppose in the end it did. Her gaze fell back to the incense tapers, watching the flames consume them. Memorial prayers, she said after a minute. I needed to go home for a little while. I know the feeling, Your Highness. I haven't been home to Axel in nearly thirty years. I'll be back soon. Her wide, soulful eyes studied the dead head of the match. Old, chasm-deep grief rolled out from her as palpable as her hair-trigger temper had been for the past two days. You just choose the best conversation topics, Piet growled at himself. Don't you, you idiot. All those years in the unknown regions, at least he'd had the comfort of knowing that home was out there, somewhere. That the possibility of sitting down to a midnight snack with his nephew, seeing again the view from his childhood bedroom window walking down Esker Street, leaning on the fence around his old school for a good long reminiscence, and getting a cup of spiced tori at the café down the corner from his grandmother's house existed, even if the odds towered against him. But Leia Organa Solo could never show her children where she'd played as a little girl, never laugh over childish trinkets she'd treasured, never retread a favorite trail. The scope of what the Empire had taken from the orphans of Alderaan staggered him suddenly. "'I'm afraid that must depend on the outcome of your negotiations with Lord Vader,' he murmured. His present train of thought had not inspired much hope that said outcome would be positive. The dead match kept turning between her fingers. Finally, she murmured, I'd be doing the galaxy a favor if I just shot him. From someone other than the commander-in-chief of the New Republic Defense Fleet, this would have been a laughable notion, but Piet needed his fingers, imagining the Guardian and Sixth Fleet descending on Araidu in a tide of scarlet death, dissolving the inconvenient executor into a cloud of twinkling, dissipating vapor. Would you, really? She did not laugh, only traced the blackened head of the match with her thumb. You and Luke are the only two people who'd miss him, I guarantee it. If only he could argue that point. Perhaps, but... But what? In her monotone he heard the thudding accusation of too many atrocities to count, and struggled against it to collect his thoughts. 
This might be his only chance to make their case to the only person in the galaxy who could give him and his men their lives back, but what was the case? It wasn't as if he could claim with a straight face that serving under Lord Vader had been an uninhibited pleasure. And all his reasons for serving all the good he'd believed the Empire capable of seemed fiber-thin in the face of what she had suffered at his hands. I can't justify some of the things he did in the Emperor's name, but it was the Emperor— He stood behind me when Tarkin gave the order to fire on Alderaan. She stamped out each word like a hydraulic press. He watched two billion people die without lifting a finger. And you want me to excuse that on the grounds that he was following orders? He swallowed, half expecting the ghost of Lorth Nita to materialize and lend its spectral weight to the princess's case. Oswald deserved what he got, but Nita? It had been murder, pure and simple, and God's how Vader had enjoyed it. He'd taken his time, actually stopped short four times, and prodded Nita to apologize again as if this time he might forgive what should never have been a crime in the first place. And at the end, when he finally tired of the game, that sickening courtesy that was all the more nauseating because none of them had known before that Vader could sound charming when he was in the mood for it. Apology accepted, Captain Nida. Piet shut his eyes, trying to banish the ghost. I do not intend to offer a defense for actions which were indefensible, but... No... But you're asking for mercy where there should be justice. Perhaps I am, Piet bit out. Diplomacy be damned. She didn't have a monopoly on suffering. After all, she didn't understand what it was like to spend three decades trying to live with a man who cheered himself up by murdering people. He'd earned a little mercy, blast it all. But I have three hundred thousand crewmen to consider. Their fate will likely depend on his. Since I doubt that Lord Vader will try to defend himself, that responsibility falls to me. She closed her eyes, her mouth pinched shut. Her fingertips went white on the match, threatening to break it in half. No, she said after a long time. No, he didn't. Piet's indignation vanished in a surge of foreboding. What do you mean he didn't? In the Stellarium. She was close to losing control now, her voice fighting on in jolts. He told me to shoot, if I wanted to. A low, rasping laugh jerked out from her. Do you know what it's like to want to kill your own father? It was the first time he'd heard her use the word father in reference to Vader. He wished he knew whether it was a good sign or a bad one. No, he said stiffly. I don't. She stared at her hands, fresh anger twisting on her face. The worst of it is I thought I'd actually forgiven him. But the moment he said that, I had the plaster out. Her fingers were still white on the match, strained almost to snapping. I wanted to pull that trigger as much as I would have on the Death Star. Like no time had passed at all, Piet murmured to his boots. I know how you feel. Oh. She raised an eyebrow with a sudden flicker of black humor. Are you in line to kill him too? No. Pierre said instantly, a spinal reflex, but an honest one all the same. But I felt a little the same way when your brother arrived. <laughs> what exactly did Luke ever do to you? It was more a ripple effect, if you will. Lord Vader, Piet belatedly realized that going into the details wouldn't do his present agenda any favors. Lord Vader was very difficult to please while we were searching for him, he amended. 
We've come a long way together since then, and I can understand the sense of accomplishment that comes with laying old demons to rest. But as I found out when your brother showed up the other week, they have ways of resurrecting when we least expect them. He trailed off pensively, thoughts straying to all those horrible moments, Lorth Nida most especially, and to what the princess had just told him. That Vader might feel remorse for any of the lives he'd destroyed was a strange thought. Now in his wildest flights of fancy had Piet imagined it might be possible, he had trained himself not to expect miracles, not to dream of real justice. Darth Vader answered to no one but their indifferent emperor. And then there wasn't even an emperor, so mere survival had become the summit of Piet's hopes. But it turned out there was somebody who could and would hold Darth Vader accountable for his actions. Vader himself. Piet shook his head slowly. Who would have believed there was still a man's conscience buried in that black-hearted hulk? Skywalker. Skywalker had believed it. That day on Endor he must have. But how? Piet, like the princess, could hardly wrap his mind around it when the evidence was shoved in his face. Yet Skywalker had somehow found faith enough to gamble his life on it when there was no evidence at all. He looked Piet's brand of pragmatic survivalism in the eye and scorned it, preferring instead to risk body and soul on a one-in-a-million chance of winning over someone so entrenched in hating guilt he'd murdered his own officers and written off entire Star Destroyers with nary a shrug, just so he could get close enough to his own son to maim him. Neither Piet nor the princess came naturally by such complete self-abandonment. At bottom, in their own ways, they were both survivors like Vader himself, but in the reverent hush of the chapel, contemplating the kind of love that could strike an empire to its knees with a few words, Piet suddenly felt the inferiority of survival, as Vader must have that day over the forest moon. He shook himself out of his reverie and found the princess was watching him keenly. Well, just because our own ghosts catch up with us every now and then doesn't negate the progress we've made. You didn't shoot him, after all. I haven't shot him yet, she said. He made it clear it was a standing offer. She smiled bitterly at his horrified expression. What do you think of that, Admiral? Rather outside his usual modus operandi, isn't it? Piet looked at his boots again. Redemption, he supposed, was the word for what had left Vader so altered after Endor. But redemption required remorse, and all the guilt and grief that came with it. He wouldn't be in Vader's boots for the galaxy. I think... I think that for a father to live with the knowledge of having hurt his own child as much as he has hurt you must be a worse punishment than anyone else could lay on him. She stared for a moment before laughing again and turning back toward the flickering incense. As flattering as that be, there are plenty of indifferent fathers in this universe. Indifferent? He shook his head. Your Highness, I watched him do everything short of spin the galaxy backwards with his bare hands to find your brother. If he'd known... He would have done the same for you. That much I know. She closed her eyes, but the tears sliced free anyway. Down of her jaw muscles clenched in a rictus of pain, and Piet felt her need to be alone again. He had said as much as he could say anyway. I won't disturb you any longer, he murmured. At the hatch, though, he paused for one last glance and saw her hold the match to the flame of an incense taper until it relit. The text of this story can be found on AO3 and fanfiction.net. The music is Guitar Blooms by Sylvester Weaver. Special thanks to Sakiko. 
For more stories that I've read, visit my website at samgabrielvo.com. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.